So we're starting a new sermon series. It's called Uncomfortable. And there have been times in my life that I have been uncomfortable. I think 10 minutes ago, I was uncomfortable. And, and God calls us into uncomfortable moments. And this is going to be a, a breeze through, very, very brief. It's actually, we only have four stopping points in the book of Acts. We're just going to stop in four different locations in the book of Acts. If you've never read the book of Acts, it is a story of the beginning of the church. And, uh, and so if you haven't read it, you've got five weeks to read the whole book. Five weeks to read the book, okay? Um, it's not that long. It's an easy read, and you should... Uh, you should get into it. And someone already has posted on Slack that said that the pews are uncomfortable. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So where are we starting? We're going to start right actually in Luke, and we're going to finish up Luke uh, because, and I didn't pull out my phone yet, so here it is. My Bible is in my phone. Luke, Jesus, is, is talking about, he's setting the stage for us, and so let's start right here. As they're talking, oh, sorry, I'll tell you where I am. I'm Luke 24, 36 to 49. As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them. Well, that's strange because he was dead. So let's put that into context. He stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened because they thought they saw a spirit. Rightly so. And he said to them, Why are you troubled and why do your doubts arise in your heart? See my hands and my feet, that is, it is I myself, touch me and see, spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. And when he said this, he showed his hands and his feet, and while they were still, and while they still disbelieved, for joy, they were marveling. And he said to them, have you anything to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it before them. So he's proving that he is actually resurrected. Great hope, right? We'll get into that. And he said to them, Those are my words that I, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you. I already told you this was going to happen, guys. That everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And he opened their minds to understand Scripture. There are people here that God wants to open your mind so that you can understand Scripture. That's a simple prayer. God opened my, this is not the sermon, sorry. God opened my mind so that I can understand Scripture. God does that. And he said to them, this is written, the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem, for you are witnesses of these things. And behold, I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay until you're clothed with power from on high. You have a great mission, but stay. You're going to go into all the world. Stop. Wait. You're going to be clothed with power first. You'll be clothed with power. So this, this is where we start. The story is built. The stage is set. Jesus has become the context of our worship. Pastor Devin talked about that six and eight weeks ago. He's the context of our worship. He tells us these things and gives the disciples an anticipation of the Spirit of God. God is going to be poured out on them so they can be empowered to preach the gospel people to repent, so change the way they see things and, and function in the world, and then be forgiven of sins in Jesus' name, and the mission is to all the nations. 21st century today, Christians put too much trust in government officials to do what Jesus said that only he could do. 
We want them to fix the problems, to keep crimes off our street, to keep drugs off our street while keeping us safe and virus-free and out of poverty. To solve the complex issues of race, gender, and make inequalities right. Yet no matter what government we serve under, no matter what flag they fly, the problems still persist. Drug overdoses on my street in the past two years, two drug overdose deaths on my street in Bradford. Come on. I live in a nice suburban part of town. Two drug overdoses. Gun violence, poverty, injustice, war, racism, sex trafficking, suffering children. Not one government has fixed this mess. No government can fix this mess. So Jesus has a, has a way. No, no, sorry. Jesus is the way. Jesus brings a solution, but not the way we expected it to come. We still expect Jesus to be another conquering king, like our political heroes. Jesus is going to come and, and fix all this crap, and, and he's going to be our conquering king. We expect Jesus to set up another totalitarian government somehow, or we expect Jesus to just get results and get them done. And if, they, if Jesus doesn't just fix this, then why am I even bothering? But Jesus has been, for the past 2,000 years, setting up something way more profound, way more complex, way more pro profound. And our role in it starts with waiting for the promised Holy Spirit to do his work in us. God wants to do his work inside of us. He wants to fill us with power from on high. So this is the introduction to book and La the, the, the book of Acts. What I just said in Luke was the conclusion of Luke, which, seem, which seamlessly comes into the book of Acts, which we're going to dive into. So it's not possible for us to do all the things that we expect of governments, but it is possible for God to work in us, is it not? It's possible for God to work in and through us in a way that foreshadows. This word that you keep on hearing from me is theologically central. It's not about now, we're fixing it now, everything is right now, and it's all happened, like it's all perfect now, like the church is going to fix all of the issues that I just listed. It's not that, it's that the church is called to foreshadow and if we look at English literature, the, the, the tool of foreshadowing is so that the reader will know what's coming. Might not be super obvious. The best movie that ever did this is The Sixth Sense. If you want a crash course in what foreshadowing is, watch The Sixth Sense. Terrible movie in some ways. But in terms of the art of foreshadowing, they nailed it. Because, because this whole time in the story, there are all kinds of hints, just perfectly placed hints of death all the way through. And it's just, it's just put there. That's foreshadowing. So that when, when the twist happens at the end, you go back and go, 
oh my gosh, you were telling me this the whole time. Valerie had a coworker that, that, was, that, that was talking to, uh, to her. And I can't go into the story because it's not my story, but there, it was a story where this coworker wasn't a Christian, but had instances in their life that they looked back on and said, I can't not believe in God. Now I need to figure this out. Foreshadowing moments planted that can be seen as the Holy Spirit does work. This is our mission that God has called us to foreshadow the kingdom of God on here on earth. We see it in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth like it is in heaven. Like it is in heaven. Let's start showing it here on earth as much as we can. We can't control all of it. We see our prayers and our intentions are to be defined by the hope of God's kingdom and not the hopes of the kingdom of the world. So what God creates in this moment where Jesus reveals himself is he, is he shifts an anticipation. And the anticipation is the kingdom of God is right here. Look, Jesus has risen from the dead. Oh my gosh, death is defeated. And now our Messiah can go kick the Romans' arse. And so Acts chapter 1, 4 to 6, while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. In a few days, you'll be baptized. There's an imminent expectation that God's going to do something drastic that would change the way that Christians live their life. The start of all Christian action comes from God's initial action. So in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Here's my slack question for you. Do you anticipate God to do anything more than he's already done? Think about that. Think about that. Do you expect that God is going to do more than he's already done? Or has God completed his work? I'm going to expand on that a little bit while you guys respond. Do you anticipate God to do anything more? In the person of Jesus, you know, maybe, maybe no more works to be done. The realization of the kingdom of God becomes our job. What role is our responsibility in the kingdom? See, the disciples had no other, no, no idea as well. Look at verse 6. It says, so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? See, the kingdom of God is at hand, and they felt it. They're like, oh, God's going to do something. He's going to fix this crap. He's going to destroy evil. Wouldn't that be awesome, right? And we're like, yes, Jesus resurrected, so it's at this time you're going to restore Israel, right? Now, right now, that's what you're going to do, right, Jesus? And Jesus goes, oh, da, 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 wait. Wait. So our anticipation is God's going to do something drastic. But what's the point of not bringing out the full restoration of the kingdom of Israel or the Garden of Eden right then? Why did Jesus say, hold up, wait? Why? You're holding us out, God. God, you could, you could fix all this stuff right now. You could become the ruler of the world. You are Lord of all. So why? What's with the tension? 
What is God waiting for? Acts 1, 7, 8. It's not for you to know the times and the seasons the Father's fixed on His authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the world. What? So Jesus ignores the question, is it now? And he shifts an expectation. The anticipation that the disciples have is sometimes the same anticipation that you and I have. God, just fix this crap. Just fix it. Just come, Lord Jesus, right now, remove the evil, and fix it. And it, and it negates the mission that God's actually given us. God wants to give you power. This isn't light. This isn't the stuff that religious practice is made of. God wants to empower you. So what did you guys say? Some people said that, you know, do we anticipate God to do anything more than he's already done? Somebody was like, yeah. But someone said, not necessarily more, but specifically relevant to my little circumstances. Someone else wrote, God's work is, is cemented, but there's more to unfold. Or, sorry, it's completed. There was a, there was a uh, correction. It's completed, but there's more to unfold. In a macro scale, are we talking in a macro scale? God's doing work in our life in every day, but on the macro scale, the story is written, but it's not over yet. I can't help but believe God is going to do more because I need to believe that he hasn't given up on this world. In my mourning of what exists in this world, I must still have hope. Got to have hope. God can't be done yet. You're right. See, when, when Jesus said, wait, he's signaling that he's not done yet. You're going to receive power. God's saying, I'm not done yet. The word of God that I'm just going to skip ahead to, that, that God has given me for this message, the word of God for this message says, the things that God has done in the past, including Jesus' death and resurrection, will pale in comparison to the things that God has promised for the future. Think about that. Christian theology has taught us that the climax of God's action is the cross of Jesus. But I'm going to tell you that that is the rising action if we understand English literature. That is not the climax. The climax is yet to come. The climax is in the return of Jesus when he comes and he actually has said, now you have been redeemed. Now you have been filled. Now you have done the work that I've called you to do. Your work is complete. Your race is won. And now I return. And in the return of Jesus, all things are made right. The powerful work of God is completed not in the past, guys. We have a great future to be looking forward to. We have a future that is full of hope because God's not done with this world yet. He's not done. We're not done. So 
What would the Holy Spirit being outpoured on you, God giving you power, what would it look like? What would that look like? Oh, we just love to come to church and sing worship songs. Some of us don't even like that. We come to church because we have to. What would the outpouring of the Holy Spirit look like in you? God has a mission for you that's not done, but you can't do it without him. You can't. He's the one working in us. What would it look like in you? Someone says that God's work on this planet is mostly done through his people. If we expect God to change things, we have to get off our couch. Right now, absolutely, there's an element where God has called us to partner with him. That's what wait for the power of the Holy Spirit means. I think of those times where it would just be easier to just ignore the world around me. Ignore the fact that my across-the-yard neighbor buried his 34-year-old daughter because of a drug overdose. It wasn't my family, so I can just ignore that, can't I? It would be so easy to do that, but the Holy Spirit in us says, that's not what I called you to do. I called you to foreshadow what it looks like when I am with you, comforting you in your mourning. The Holy Spirit in you has called you to bring, to meet needs of those around you. God's work is happening in and through you. God pouring out all his flesh on all spirit means that God's not done his redemptive work. God does want to fix the crap the world's in, but he's not done redeeming it yet. He's still pulling the evil out of us, purifying us, purifying anybody who looks to Jesus for salvation, saying, let me start purifying my people so that when I remove evil from the world, you stand in the presence of a holy God. You're not crushed by it. God's great work is about fixing all of this stuff, fixing your kid's school, involved in it, getting involved, getting into, into the extended family. Oh, man, extended family stuff. Bring healing in extended families. God, through it in us. God's not done redeeming the world. God has plans for you. God's Holy Spirit lives in each one of us, but sometimes we ignore him. I've been guilty of it. Get in my life. Maybe you've been guilty of it too. You get in your life. You're just sitting in your normal, and you ignore the promptings of the Holy Spirit. And so God wants to fill you afresh. And what that is, is it's you taking a look and saying, God, once again, fill me with your spirit. Give me that power. Wait. I'm going to stop doing it on my own. Wait upon God to give you the strength. It's not all on you. It's on the Holy Spirit filling you and you being aware of it. See, Acts wasn't very comfortable. The works of the Acts were not very comfortable. The anticipation is now that God's going to give you the power to do the mission. Let's think about Peter for a minute. 
Peter's this guy who's like flamboyant and zealous, and that's kind of the archetype we have for him, right? And the Holy Spirit comes upon him, and he stands up, and he preaches the gospel to thousands of people from some sort of balcony. That's not comfortable, people. In that gospel, he says to these people, you killed Jesus. Okay, the PR guy's going nuts right there. He's just going nuts. What do you mean? Peter, you can't say that. Get there. Get off. You can't say that they're going to crucify you. Oh, like they did Jesus? Okay. It's not comfortable. We're not called into comfort. We're not called into comfort. Someone says, although we're talking about forward-looking anticipation of God's action in the future, what's the place of the Christian of the church in preserving or protecting the truth that has already been revealed? The truth is revealed in Jesus, and we always talk about what Jesus has done and what Jesus will do. We do both, but our hope is located in the future. Guys, we turn to the Holy Spirit and say, Come and fill me so I'm empowered to be your witness. That's our job. Our job is to join with God's mission. It's not easy. Heck, and it's not cheap. The mission of God is neither easy nor cheap. But it's empowered by God himself. Let me pray for this church. Holy Spirit, we need you, not just so that my own little life inside my own little house, inside my own little time span is made to be comfortable, but God, when I look at the vastness of the mission that you have of bringing your kingdom onto earth and redeeming as many as possible, it's your will that none would perish, but all would come to faith in Jesus and have eternal life. Cool. Now I understand my need. I can't do that, God. We, as a congregation, can't do that. And so when you gave the mission, you gave the power. And so as a church, I pray that we would learn the posture of waiting for the Holy Spirit and that we would then learn the boldness of acting in the power of the Spirit, even when the PR guy's freaking out. Jesus, I pray that you would lead us to be a church that's willing to embrace the uncomfortable and that your Holy Spirit would do the work in us. Someone wrote, God changes us so the world can see the power of the gospel to change lives and be drawn to it. God change us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for participating in our service today. I pray that you are blessed. I pray that you are encouraged. I pray that the Holy Spirit empowers you. God bless you.